Welcome back to the Quiet Unset Podcast. I am your host, Julian Graf, and I'm joined by Lachlan Thiele. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, my man. Uh, also, we got another special guest from the United States, from New York, to be more exact. It's Kelly Elsas. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, Hello. we'd love to have you. So this makes our podcast truly international, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? yeah from very all true. three continents that exist on the world. There's, all three? Yeah. Yeah, all okay. three. <laughs> yes, Alaska, Alaska, South America, and Asia. So we got it. We got it covered. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. That's where we're from. I guess because we have you on, Kelly, today, we are doing a quick round of introductions again, just so people get to know us a little bit better and maybe have an understanding of uh, what you are and what you do. So do you care to introduce yourself quickly to our listeners? Um, yeah. So my name is Kelly Elsis. I've known Lachlan and Ewan for a little while now. I went to film school with them when I used to live on the Gold Coast in Australia. Um, right now I'm in LA and I'm doing a little bit of film work and studying and just trying to figure everything out during COVID pretty much just like everyone else. As we all are, uh, I, I wouldn't be, I uh, wouldn't want to be in LA at these trying times. I assume that must be a little bit stressful with, with uh, uni and all that doing that during the COVID situation. Yeah. So I guess just like, <laughs> can you guys hear the cat in the background? Sorry. Yeah. There's a cat It's staring at me through the window and it was terrifying because it's still dark out because it's like 6 a.m. here. Uh, I'm going to cut this out, man. <laughs> the cat would literally terrify me. All right. Um, yeah. What about you, Lachlan? Uh, what are you up to? How do we know each other? Uh, I guess, maybe as well, well, again, I guess uh, Kelly said it really well. We all went to film school together. How do yes. we meet? Uh, yeah, well, how did we all meet? I <laughs> ran you over with my car and yeah. Ewan okay, was right. on the sidewalk, ran over. Are you okay? <laughs> and obviously Americans are built like out of metal or some shit. So you just walked it off right. like a Terminator. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, we it's went to film attitudes. school together. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's our attitude. 100%. Well, I got an excuse. You don't have an excuse. I ran her over because I didn't know like what side on the street i was supposed true, to be on true same for that Kelly. you have no excuse i'm just a yeah, terrible you driver. know what side of the street to drive um, on in australia it's all backwards for us yeah yeah you mm. all, oh, yeah only in reverse you can't drive forward that's yeah that, exactly right that's how that works that's how that works <laughs> british people are weird all right um yeah <laughs> and uh for me for myself uh yes i also met them at film school who would have thought oh my god you haven't heard it three times already but um yeah and now i'm back in switzerland i'm studying film as well film and, and yeah. history yeah, um, I know. Yeah, I guess yeah. we're all pretty like the same. Like we've all done a little bit of work in the film industry and I'm doing um, my MFA, I guess I should say, because people are probably mm, going to think yeah. I'm getting my bachelor's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing a film program in LA and it's great and I'm really excited to start working. Oh uh, yeah, I'd love to get some uh, more work in the film industry as well. But for now, I guess you're stuck on a podcast with us. And uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited about the podcast. Don't worry. Um, by the way, while we're on the topic of being excited for the podcast, uh, why don't you guys, yes, you listener who is listening right now, just quickly go over to Apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a five-star review. Why wouldn't you? It takes you literally like five seconds and it helps us out a lot. We have gathered here today to talk about the Project Mayhem, don't we? Uh, we are doing a Roll That Again again this week. We did Iron Giant last week and we're doing Fight Club today. I know we're not supposed to talk about it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, shh, and hush, 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 hush. We're about to break the first rule of Fight Club. Yeah. Yes, don't don't. Uh, I guess I guess this brings us to the end of today's podcast. We yeah, unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah we talked about, about it already. Club. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. You just you, you guys just have to join a fight club to know what it's all about. But uh oh well, too bad for you guys. Um, but yeah, I just I just wanted to maybe ground where fight club sits in in film history and how it's regarded in yeah I guess in film history in that sense that it, it ranks uh 101st on Letterboxd, but way higher on the IMDb list on 
11th place. And then it also, also just has a 66 meta score on Metacritic. Only which I found really interesting because it's a, yeah, that's pretty low. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, I guess we'll give uh, more of our thoughts later on in the episode and we might get to our own personal rankings and how we see this film, how we perceive it and how, we, uh, how important we think it is in film history. Um, but before we do that, we're going to move over to the news. All right, so in the news segment, uh, we don't really have a lot of stuff to talk about other than, I guess, a bunch of trailers that have come out recently. So you've got, you guys have all, all had a chance to watch a couple of these. So The War with Grandpa. <laughs> the War with Grandpa. What are, no. what are you guys' responsible? Fuck no. <laughs> Uh, so this was this was De Niro in kind of a, a family friendly um, film that sees him as rivaling um, a little kid, and it had had a Godfather reference in the trailer, and that made me absolutely hate it even more. Uh, but yeah, guys, are you are you gonna watch this one? Um, I feel like it reminds me. I feel like ever since De Niro did Bad Grandpa, it's like all I could think mm. about when I was watching this trailer. I just kept thinking about Bad Grandpa. It's not like I don't know. I guess it suits like a certain audience, but I'm gonna I might pass on this one. I can't remember whether it was De Niro who came out a while back just before just before COVID started that he was like broke or something and what? I can't remember I, can't, I don't know I can't remember it was some actor or something and they said they were broke and I was like how is you, how are you broke and then I'm looking at this yeah. and I'm going okay this is a cash grab I don't know how much money he got paid for this shit but like he clearly I mean look I, I was gonna say the same thing with Bad Grandpa I hate it yeah. when we have these like really well known actors who were super big back in the day and they're doing and super these talented really too he's like yeah, a legend. super talented super shitty cheesy comedies and you got and, and they dragged Christopher Walken I bet you Robert De Niro yeah, went cool. to Christopher yeah, Walken's house. Beat him up, dragged him through like I don't know where Christopher walked. I'm just gonna assume LA, and he just like drags him across, you know, across the street into the into the set and goes act. Christopher Walken just scared. Do you think he, he De Niro might have given him um like uh, a little bit of a speech about the golden watch and the golden watch is ticking out for their lives and they have to make some more money before they uh maybe eventually pass away. I know that's it's really dark, but uh, you know, mm. maybe probably no? watch analogy, probably, nice. yeah. But it's it's, it's it's more more fiction, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Well, uh, I also wonder too. Out of place pop fiction. Well, no, I wonder also because <laughs> I think <laughs> I think sometimes when you're on set or sometimes in those meetings, like maybe they thought I don't know. I feel like there might be maybe a thing where they hype it up to be like a great movie, and then the edit comes out and they're like, "Wait, this seems really different than what I signed up for." Do you well, think that's a possibility? Um, I think for for these veteran actors, they are pretty that's aware true. when they get a script and a script. Uh, like this, that they are just kind of the drawing point um, for a lot of people to have a familiar face on. And it's an easy selling point for uh, studios to make these family films. But I mean, they, they can still be good, but this just didn't look good at all, I guess. But like, like I think let, let's Robert De Niro, like, Uma Thurman, uh, who else was in it that I saw? Uh, Christopher Walken. Like, like these are three big names. And yeah. like, like yeah. surely they have common sense to go, what is this shit? What is this? Gut <laughs> no, I know. Fire? You're Why so, am I going you're into so this? Right. But yeah, no, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. We got four more traders. Uh, that we're just going to quickly go over. And these are all good. They all looked really good. So I'm excited to talk about Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman's um, next film called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. We touched on this last episode uh, when I was hoping to get a trailer before we started recording, but we got one shortly after. So what are you guys' thoughts on I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Look crazy. Look hell good. Yeah. It gave me, it gave, it it made me really feel good. awkward already by watching it. And there's mm -hmm. like some crazy people in there as well. Um, I can't remember his uh, David... Thulis, I think is his name. He, I, I know him mainly from playing in Harry Potter, but um, yeah, no, it's crazy to see him because I think he's a really talented actor. 
And it's the same mm. with um, Jesse Plemons, I think his name is, who yeah, was Jesse in Plemons, yeah. Black Mirror and he was in, um, he's Black also Mirror. in another trailer and he's also in, yeah, and then uh, he was also in Fargo, I think season two. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so far there's been nothing that I've absolutely disliked his acting on, but I've never mm-hmm. been super blown away. I think maybe this could come in and kind of blow me away and it could be the same with the, the next trailer that he's also in. But I'll, 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 I'll Kelly, Kelly, what do you want to say? Um, I guess I want to point out the the dog shaking, like that sound effect of the dog shaking throughout the entire oh, it didn't trailer. Stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's super unsettling and I think it's perfect for what they're trying to portray. Mm. Um, I would definitely give this a watch. Also, I think it was a producer maybe who did, same producer maybe who did Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind and I think that movie is so perfect. And oh yeah, Charlie Kaufman it. is the, the writer of Eternal um, Eternal Sunshine yeah, of a Spotless Mind. That's a hard title for me to say as a Swiss person. <laughs> uh, don't make me do it again. But he also, also wrote Being Tom Malkovich and he did um, Annalisa, directed Annalisa and Synoptiki New yeah. York. I've never seen any of his directing stuff, but I've seen yeah, his writing things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, being John Makovich is fun and Eternal Sunshine is, is just, <laughs> I want to cry. But um, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I wanted to bring out is the aspect ratio of the trailer. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the same aspect ratio in the film. But yeah. I can mean, I can check it out on IMDb. But I don't know. Like there are some I'm people. Sure it will be. There will be some people who will probably dislike that because again, Netflix is a big mainstream audience kind of thing. And yes. if it's not filling up their entire screen, and it's only and it's like letterboxed on the side. I wonder. I wonder how people are gonna. I wonder how people are gonna react. Yeah, it's not not the same. I guess like the Five Bloods was where it only uh, was like for certain sequences. It looks like it's yeah. going to be the entire film, which I don't mind. This is gonna be their like awards contender film, like Marriage Story and The yeah. Irishman was last year, I guess. So. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Actually, The Irishman is in the top 10 most viewed films. So um, oh. I guess it's it's by a household name. Scott says mm. as well. Way more right. uh, known than Kaufman, I guess. But um, we'll have to wait and see and how this is going to be receptive by the general audience over on Netflix. Although I, I don't care because they watch 365 Days a lot. That was like top one for four weeks. So <laughs> fuck off Netflix audience. Sorry. People <laughs> like, have been bored have isolation. Taste. I don't know what People the fuck you're watching. <laughs> yes, they definitely have. Uh, which we still haven't seen. We, we still want to do a drunk cast for that one. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still holding on to that. I still have refrained from watching it. Anyways, let's talk about a trailer that uh, Lachlan, you were pretty excited about and uh, yeah. you liked a lot. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, holy. I mean, like this is like, go watch the trailer for it right now. Mm-hmm. It is one of the best trailers I have seen in a long time. Doesn't really. Yeah. It, it gives you some story, but what it does is it gets you hyped up for this film. Um, really good sound design in the film. Uh, really just like interesting. What they show is interesting um, and how it evolves from, you know, starting off as this like kind of like a because obviously it's a um, Black Panther film about the Black Panthers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then it's also about uh, the FBI involvement with that. Um, and I, I don't really know much about it, but that's what I got with the trailer. Um, yeah. How it evolves from that into the end where it gets a bit chaotic. So it gives you an idea where the story's going to go. It doesn't tell you mm-hmm. where the story's going to go. But again, it was just something that I watched and I went, that was an enjoyable two minutes of a trailer. Exactly. Yeah. It looked like it had a lot of nice dramatic um, points and dramatic moments that yeah. are going to be like the center point of the story but it also has some action and uh thrilling sequences so that's that's a nice mix uh to have yeah yeah Kelly. yeah really strong acting too i mean i think everything yeah. jordan peele does is perfect so i would definitely watch this movie i also think like with the social climate of right now this is a great it's great that they're releasing this now yeah, yeah. and it also had lakeith steinfield in it which is an actor oh. that I, I love he's so great and also um daniel i always mess up his name but daniel kaluja 
uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably butchering the name, but um, yeah. And then Jordan Peele is producing. So that's kind of yeah. a quality seal, I guess. Well, I mean, both of those guys have done some really awesome acting jobs. I mean, um, yes. oh, like he's, yeah. uh, you know, latest uh, Knives Out he was in. Um, what mm-hmm. really caught me was Sorry to Bother You. That was like one of my favorites yes. with him. That's what kind of made me notice him. But also that was also a wacky film that I enjoyed. Um, and, and it's the he same. Was the lead I in need to watch that. Yeah, he was the lead. Yeah. So I'm and it's the same with the Daniel. You know, Black mm-hmm. Panther, Get Out. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in Sicario uh, at the top of my head. But like, uh, and also, uh, what was that one he was in earlier this this year? Queen and Slim? Queen and Slim, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in that as well. So yeah, both of these that, guys yeah. are incredible actors. Um, but there's also some other names. Uh, I, I just quickly jumped on the IMDb page. Um, Martin Sheen is in it. Yeah. Oh, no and I was way. like, what? It's probably like FBI kind of type of deal. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah. Jesse Plummons from the uh, other one, other uh, trailer we just talked about is also in it mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other cool names. Um, but it's awesome to see where this where this goes. Very cool. But uh, unfortunately, we have to wait until 2021. Um, that was an early trailer that we got. By the way, I'm, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, drops on September 4th on Netflix. So that's, that's pretty soon. So better mm. than, I guess, the... Uh, probably like year-long wait that we have to do until Judas and the Black Messiah. Anyways, we got another film uh, over on Netflix releasing on September 16th, starring Tom Holland, The Devil All the Time. What were you guys' thoughts on on this one? <laughs> I, I guess I was kind of confused why Robert Pattinson was casted in this. Like I kept thinking, I don't know. I guess I just, it kind of took me out of the story a little bit that he was in uh-huh, it. I feel uh-huh. really bad saying this because I think he's a great actor. I was just like really thrown off that they casted him for it. And I, I love that they casted Tom Holland for this. I noticed they did cast a lot of like British and Australian actors. You were saying that before you went. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, because this, yeah, this, 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 this is set in the 1960s after World War II in Southern Ohio. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it's something that's, I guess, a psychological thriller piece that that involves like religion and maybe even cults to some extent it it, it looked really that's, confusing yeah but it looked like that's how i felt when i watched it too i was so like when i was watching the trailer i felt like it was super unclear um mm-hmm. what exactly the movie was going to touch on but i also haven't read about this movie or anything like that outside of watching the trailer and that might be honestly what they're going for too they might want you to be kind of like disoriented and confused mm-hmm. yeah oh definitely yeah i can see that yeah and like unclear about what it's about when you watch the movie Lachlan, what, what were your thoughts on on the trailer um, what can I say? I mean, it is a, I wouldn't say super, super star heavy cast. I mean, it a lot of these people, much. I wouldn't say these people have reached peak, their peak yet. And, you know, we're not yeah. like, if we're talking it, about, it's our war with Grandpa, before Batman, I guess. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, yeah. if we're talking about the war with grandpa, we're talking about De Niro <laughs> and Christopher Walken, these guys who have reached their peak and we know what they can do, but I don't yeah, think I I've seen, like, I mean, Robert Patterson over the past five to six years has completely blown me out of the water with what he can yep. do. He incredible. is, yeah, is incredible. Um, I live, uh, the, the lighthouse. The King, he stuff. was incredible in the King. I don't know what it was with the King. I mean, I didn't I like that. Seen I, I didn't enjoy, I didn't like mm-hmm. that film, but I enjoyed that film. Um, yep. and obviously, right. you know, the lighthouse where he really dusted off his acting chops. Um, and also, yeah. uh, another interesting name, Tom Holland. He hasn't reached his peak yet. Um, I really, he, he plays Spider-Man. Um, he's been in a couple other small things. He's going to be playing in Uncharted, which is a uh, video game if movie adaptation. Yeah, if it ever comes out. So if he can do something good in there, I would enjoy it. But also, you know, Bill Skarsgård, uh, Sebastian Stan. Um, Pennywise hey, himself. Pennywise himself, Haley Barnett. Uh, we've also got the guy who played Dudley. What's his name? Harry. M- Harry Melling, Harry- I think. Melling, yeah. yeah. He play- he plays Dudley in Harry Potter. And I was like, Dudley, okay, cool. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you do in this, man. Um, he was in the old guard uh, earlier of. A few weeks ago, uh, he was okay. the villain in that one. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. And also like, Jason Clark. Yeah. And Jason Clark, yeah. Do you guys think Robert 
Pattinson, like, do you think he's a fit for this storyline? Or do you, did you see the casting, like, elsewhere? I mean, I guess with what we know about this film so far. Well, what, what I've, from what I've seen over the last few years, what Robert Pattinson has been able to do, I kind of am at a point where I just believe that he can do pretty much yeah. every character. Like, a lot of characters, I guess. Um, Yeah, he's really good. Also, my, my cat is stripping me out because she's she's jumping up and down my window um, <laughs> and kind of acting like a complete idiot. It's really funny. I wish you guys could see that. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. What else? What else do we have? What are the, uh, okay. So, uh, last trailer for today is Antebellum, which got a final trailer finally, and and that's supposed to release on September eighteenth. Um, I was really excited for this one. Uh, did you guys? Did you guys ca- catch any earlier trailers of this? So. I have, that you guys and I kind of forgot about it, and now mm-hmm. I see the last trailer. I'm like, all right, cool, that's still coming. That's yeah, my I've whole seen things here and there. Yeah, I've seen things here and there. It, um, it looks interesting. I'd watch it. It'd probably scare the crap out of me, but also watch it. <laughs> I just hope it's better than um us, because Get Out was great. Us was okay, or it was it was it wasn't that great. But then I liked I this, us. Um, I I just didn't enjoy us. I honestly just couldn't couldn't get around to it. But I hope this is enjoyable. Really? I, hope this is good. I liked it. You and did you like it? I just liked it. I didn't really like it that much. Uh, not as much as okay. maybe a lot of other people did. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I like 2019 was just a really strong year, so it didn't really make it into right. my top 10 or ten, top 20, even I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it was it was well done from a filmmaking standpoint. I just didn't really grip me from the story. If that makes sense. Some yeah. of the elements just didn't really get me. Uh, but yeah, uh, wait. Sorry, I had to step out for a second um, because I had to get rid of the cat. <laughs> it's getting so distracting. The cat is now dead. The cat You're is just dead. <laughs> Yes. Wait, also, just so anyone listening knows, this was, like, how it was in film school. I feel like you guys always, like, I feel like my opinion was always so different than your opinions about, like, films. <laughs> I feel like everything, I've been like, oh, my God, I really like that. You guys are like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking hate that, Kelly. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? That adds to the discussion if we don't just go, like, Lachlan and I just look at each other and go, like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, it's pretty boring, right? If we have a discussion, that's cool. Yeah, you guys exactly. have always been really in sync with like your preferences and your taste when it comes to film. Yes, we're so in sync we could start a boy band. All right, let's yeah. just move on from that. That was terrible. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move over to what we've been. That was watching. a rough one. Lachlan, <laughs> would you care to start us off with what you've been watching lately? Um. Yeah. Cool. So because the cinemas are reopening and there's not a lot of stuff showing. Uh, I've been able to catch a couple films, um, classic films being reshown in cinema, which is something you don't really get to see a lot of unless it's like a special screen- screening of it. Um, so, for example, the two highlights to me, I saw the first Back to the Future in cinemas, which was which was awesome to watch. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, Back to the Future isn't a, you know, it's not something that changed cinema forever, but it was something that is, I guess, everyone knows it's just a really enjoyable film to watch. Like, it's just I mean, something it's that everyone changed amazing. time travel in, in movies, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, something really fun. It was just that film that you could watch and you can always have a good time. Um, exactly. The other standout for me is my one of my like probably the favorite sci-fi film, uh, Alien. Seeing that mm-hmm. in cinema is is awesome. The only downside is that it wasn't in IMAX. I wish I could watch it in IMAX or VMAX or whatever it is. Um, it was only just in a standard movie cinema screening, but it's still better than nothing. I got to see Monos in cinemas, mm-hmm. which was something that was released and I couldn't get a hold of it, so I, I watched it and then. It finally came out in cinemas, so I was able to watch it there, and that was a greater experience than watching it on a laptop screen. Hmm. And yeah, you said also, that was one of the like the most visually stunning films of last year, right? Yeah, it was just so pleasing yeah. to watch, man. Like, mm-hmm. holy mm-hmm. shit! Like, it was um, yeah, it was just super fun to just watch. Obviously, the story I didn't it didn't blow me away, but again, it was yeah. it was good to watch. Um, and the last thing I've been watching is. I've been hooked on TV shows and I've been watching Lucifer. <laughs> He's just, just a charismatic dude in that show. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. 
And we all need a little bit of a devil in our lives, right? We do. Yeah. All right, uh, Kelly, what about you? What have you been up to recently in front of your screen? Um, I just finished, so NBC just launched um, kind of like a Netflix. It's called Peacock. Um, and I just finished Brave New World. And it's amazing. And everyone should go watch yeah, it. Yeah, I've been, I've been uh, trying to get a hold of it as well. But I don't think we have it here in Switzerland yet. I guess I, I'll have to yeah. sign up through a VPN for, to Brave New World. So you would recommend a Brave New World? Yeah, so to break it down, like in a nutshell, it's a it's a world. It's like a new version of London with um, without family or monogamy, and um, you kind of suppress all of your emotions. So, like, if you start to feel an emotion, like people just take certain kinds of pills depending on how they're feeling to kind of suppress any emotion. Yeah. And then so there's that world, like New London, and then there's another world where it's essentially like everyday people, but like a more aggressive version of everyday people um, who have emotions and um, do get married, and it's kind of treated like a theme park, and it's called the House of Sav. It's called like I think. It's called the house of savages but yeah, then i think it is yeah yeah it's really cool and then you kind of see two people kind of connect from the two different worlds and it, it's really interesting oh, that's cool so it, i guess it's is it supposed to be more than um one series because it, i guess it's an adaptation from uh, probably a yeah, from from the book. uh novel yeah yeah so, um have you read i don't know one? if they've i haven't but um mm. i know people who have and yeah, i, I, I don't know I don't know if they're greenlighted for a season two, but I, I'm not sure at this moment if they are, but I feel like, I mean, I would love to see a season Interesting. Two. I mean, um, a, Brave, a Brave New World is, is one of my favorite novels of all time, so I, I really want yeah. to check this one this one out. It's been a while yeah. since I read it, so I guess uh, great to get a recommendation for it that I finally sit down yeah. and watch a TV show. I haven't I haven't watched a lot of TV shows. All right, uh, yeah. Have you watched anything else wait, lately? Wait, hold on. Malcolm's rolling his eyes at me. <laughs> Look at oh. that, look at his face. <laughs> That's just his normal face, Kelly. I don't know. I don't know. When you said green light in my head, I just went red light. Green light! <laughs> red light! Green light! <laughs> I don't know why I said that in my head. I just wanted to say it really loudly, but you guys, were, you guys were having a conversation and I didn't want to ruin that, so sorry. I mean, you should have. That would have been really, really stable of you to just start screaming red light, green light over what we were talking about. It's, it's the parents and the kid with red ADHD. Light. That's red our light. podcast at the moment. Tell, tell us what else is on your mind, Lachlan. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's just what I finished recently. And then what else have I watched? I mean, I watched Fight Club today. <laughs> Again, I've seen it before. Everyone, <laughs> yes, by the way, today as well. Yeah, that's what I watched. Today. Yeah. Great movie. What's, what's up, I don't you know if you guys. About? I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but <laughs> great movie. I've never heard of it. We should talk right, about. it. Can we we're stop not doing these jokes it. about about Fight Club? I'm gonna make. I'm making a rule right now. No <laughs> more jokes about. We don't know what Fight Club is. We had it. It's happened. It's not going to be any funnier if we say it throughout the podcast. <laughs> we're I'm, shutting it down. Okay. I'm putting my foot down. Ready. Wow, that was a good slap. That that yeah. sounds like you, you hit it a sounded, body pod. It sounded yeah. like you popped a balloon, honestly. Yeah, actually, yeah, like a balloon. Yeah, that, that's all that you've been watching, Kelly. Yeah, that's what I've been watching recently. Ewan, what have you been watching recently? All right, so uh, I've been watching a few things. So as, as always, I, I have uh, a few things to cover here, I guess. So bear with me. <laughs> I'm going to go over the, the few 2020 films that I've watched recently. I watched uh, Project Power that recently came out on Netflix. That's a story about an ex-soldier, a teen, and a cop that collide in New Orleans as they hunt for the source behind a dangerous new pill that grants users temporary superpowers. It's like a five-minute superpower pill, but you don't know what you're getting. So uh, some people just explode. <laughs> That's all that so happens. So you're like a two-pump chump superhero. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's actually a great name. It's like One Punch Man, but it's Two Jump Man. Wait, Two, two Pump, pump Jump. Yeah, yeah fuck, I fucked it up. Super. But anyways, that, that film was um, alright for entertainment. The, the plot was super generic. Jamie Foxx's character basically was just kind of the guy who is going after the bad guys and trying to get to the top of the bad guys because they kidnapped his daughter. So it's a really generic plot. 
but I guess the world is interesting, the scenario is interesting, but they don't really do anything that's super original with it. So that's a bit disappointing. It also has Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who has kind of had a comeback this year. He's He was in 7500, which I really enjoyed. Then this, and he's also going to be in uh, The Trial of the Seven or something like that. That comes out, I think, in a month or two of on Netflix as well. That's, I think, the Aaron Sorkin film. And there was also a teen character, Dominic Fishback. She was she did a pretty good uh, job at selling like a teenage character who wanted to be a rapper in the future, and she was she was pretty nice. And there was also Casey Neistat in this, which I found pretty funny because I used to watch a lot of his videos back in the day. Are you guys planning on watching Project Power? What would you give it out of ten? Because if it's anything higher than a UN six, no, if it's uh, anything higher than a UN three, I'll watch it. Anything higher than a UN three? Holy shit! Oh yeah, you think like you think like I'm pretty harsh on my ratings then. No, I just think that you don't. You watch mean like a, a, a three out of five? Uh, no, out of 10. Out of 10. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Because oh, okay, it's pretty cool. good entertainment. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty fun, but it's just nothing really that original. But should what, should we do a, should, would it be a drunk cast consideration? Um, I mean, if our, all of our powers would be to get incredibly drunk for, I guess, five minutes over and over and over again, then I, I feel like we could we could drink every five minutes. Take a okay. shot every five minutes. That could be I'm down. Fun. I'm down. Yeah, every time someone I mean, takes a pill. Exactly. <laughs> every time. So, yeah, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's going to be like towards the end. It's just going to sh- taking shots, shots, shots. Oh, no. Oh, you don't tell God. me that's what happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's more increased than at the start, I guess. That's, that's not really a spoiler. That's just kind of uh, usually stories progress. Anyways, I'm digressing as I progress. Uh, so let's move over to Spree. So you guys know Joe Carey, the, the guy from Stranger Things with Steve, like the, the guy we are all, all the guys are envious of his hair, right? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, great That hair. guy. Um, he was in a film that was released on VOD. He played a guy called, um, he played a guy named Kurt Kunkel. A rideshare driver thirsty for followers has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. As his disturbing live stream is absurdly embraced by the social media hellscape, a comedian emerges as the only hope to stop his rampage. Okay, so this sounds kind of intriguing, maybe, uh, with a scenario where we have like, over-the-top kind of social commentary of, oh my god, social media is bad, we only care about followers, and we all fake. But it, it, it kind of fails on both levels that it isn't really what would be able to give a social commentary that is kind of palpable and actually saying something, but it's also not funny enough. So it kind of just lands in the middle. And to go over to my rating, Lachlan, I gave this one a five as well, but actually, I don't know, I might move this down to a four as well. So I guess you'll yeah. still watch it. I'll still watch it. <laughs> After that, I guess. But um, what the gimmick is of this film is that it's all a live stream that he does. So it's similar to, I guess, Unfriended and Searching and recent, most recently Host, and that we only really get camera angles. So we get GoPros, phones, and media and TV screens, and that's pretty much all we get. I mean, it used that gimmick pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I got another one, another quick one, uh, Boy State, a documentary that was about a 17-year-old in Texas that kind of uh, come together to build a representative government. It's, it, it's a program that they do there. It's a documentary that premiered on Sundance early this year. And was highly praised by a lot of reviewers that I follow. And I guess I'll have to follow up with that one as well. Follow up on the praise. I, I liked it a lot. I'm not really that much into politics. And it, it was more more like conservatory that I would identify with in, in a sense, I guess. But it was interesting to see. And uh, it, it was also interesting to see that, I guess, politics are fucked up everywhere. <laughs> like, especially as we got to see in Texas and how... How things are how things are done, um, and how like young people already understand that, which I think is interesting to look into. Then I watched uh, Normal People, a mini series that uh, where was it available again? I forgot where it was available. Um, but anyways, go check that out. Normal People is my favorite mini series of 2020 so far. To be fair, <laughs> it's also the only mini series I've seen this year. <laughs> but uh, 
it's pretty great. I, I loved it. it. I love stories, uh, especially love stories that um don't just take place on like, well, I, I actually can't say that I was about to say like on one day because I loved it before trilogy. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Oh my God. But no, that span over like a bigger period of time where we see characters evolve yeah. and kind of move away from each other and then kind of come back. And this was just perfect. There's also, it's not as cheesy as most other rom-coms are in that sense. It was more of a drama than It's a different romance, kind of, yeah, guess, it's like a different kind of love story. Although yeah. it does get pretty, uh, pretty cheesy at times. And it's, I would yeah. say it's real, it's raw, and there's also a lot of nudity. <laughs> so there's, there's like in every, every fucking episode, there's a lot of like sex in it. And it I don't know, it, 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 it added to the rawness and the authenticity of the whole story, but it was also a bit much at times, but I loved it. <laughs> Not, not just the nudity, but the whole thing, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, good save, good save, good save. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, the lobster. I love the logline here, so I, I just have to read from the logline. In a dystopian near future, single people, according to the laws of the city, are taken to the hotel, where they are obliged to find a romantic partner in 45 days, or they are transformed into beasts and sent off into the woods. How great does that sound, guys? My screenwriting professor just told me to watch this, because I wrote, um, like, so during COVID, I've been having these, like, terrible dreams, and I had this really vivid one the other day, and I just, like, wrote something based on a nightmare that I had, and when we had our one-on-one -on -one session about it, he was like, you have to watch The Lobster. That, and um, I think it's, like, Existential Angels is another one that's supposed to be similar. Oh, I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. From what I know about it, it's like a bunch of people are put in a room and for a reason that's not explained, they can't open the door. And then like oh. as the film goes on, like people just kind of like their quote unquote true colors come out. People just kind of start acting really bizarre. But I, it sounds very dreamlike in the sense where it's like just certain things aren't explained. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I have to check that one out as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, The Lobster was, was probably, no, it, it probably is like one of my favorite films now. I just love the, the humor of it. Um, I felt the the second half did drag a bit, but just the first half was really fun. And the, the, again, the humor was just uh, really up my alley. Uh, and I've only seen one other film from Yogos Lantimos. Lantimos, that's his name, yeah. I've only seen the favorite, but um, I'm looking forward to checking out the rest of his work. Lockdown, before we wrap up what we've been watching, have you seen The Lobster yet? Yeah, I have. Sorry, I, way, way back, way back. Way, way back? back? Okay. I, I'd be down to do an, uh, roll that again at some point about the, cool. uh, about the lobster. <laughs> I love yeah. it a lot. All right. So that wraps up what we've been watching. Let's get into Fight Club. Get into Fight Club. And uh, basically, the way this works on Roll That Again, we go into different segments that are hosted by each of our lovely hosts, hosts that we have on today. Um, first, we'll start with who are we starting with? With um, Lachlan, I guess. Me. Then, yeah, yeah Lachlan, then Kelly, and then me. And then we'll just talk a bit more about the movie in general. But uh, yeah, gonna hand over the torch to you, Lachlan. All right, sick. Um, so yeah, this is obviously a David Fincher film. I don't know how much of Fight Club we've talked about yet, um, just because we've been talking for a while. Um, but in terms of Fight Club, it is a very dark and moody film, which is, you know, surprise, surprise, coming from David Fincher. David Fincher is known for making really bright, colourful, happy films. Um, and that's a lie. So <laughs> He's made seven of them. He's made, yeah, good one. Um, so yeah, no, David Fincher is a very, uh, very moody in terms of the visual look of the, the film is a very moody kind of uh, director. Now, when I say moody, I'm talking muted colours and a grainy kind of look. So 
Mm-hmm. When you guys watch the film, you notice how flat it feels at the start, how flat it feels um, because his life is obviously very fucking boring and very lame yep. and very sucky. Um, mm-hmm. And that's matched with the colour palette of the film. At the start, it's a very flat colours, uh, very muted colours, you know, greys. Um, and if there is any kind of like like purpley tones to it, they are not, they're not bright, pumpy colours. They're very dull. And that's essentially matching his life. The film obviously then evolves and we are jumping into spoiler territory. Full on spoiler review. For example, when Tyler, well, how are we going to, how are we going to reference each? I would say, let's say uh, Tyler for Brad Pitt and then we just say the narrator for Edward Norton. Or you just call him by the actor's name, I guess. All right. So yeah, let's just call it by the actor's name. So as you start off knowing Edward Norton's character, um, it's a very dull, very plain kind of thing. And then as soon as he meets Tyler or Brad Pitt in the plane, it's already a very well-lit, very bright environment. Now, that continues throughout the film as they start hanging out a little bit more. As they walk through the city streets, yes, it's very dull, very dark, but Brad Pitt does have this very, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what colour I would call it, but like a, it's its a bright jacket. You know that like leather jacket that he wears? Mm-hmm. It's a very bright jacket. So that starts Almost adding to the colour palette. Right? It, it's like more like a, like a purpley, maroney... I don't know. I don't know what color it is. I'm not a color scientist. Brad Pitt's wardrobe in general is very colorful and very different from anyone else in that movie. Yeah, yeah no, it's almost course. reddish, right? Yeah, yeah. He, like, so, he's like a cartoon character. Like yeah. he's so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, in terms of in terms of the colors of this film, it evolves over time. And at the same point, it's still a very dark film. The what I noticed a lot of it was a lot of overhead lighting, light coming straight down from them. Whether it was um. Right. Like the fluorescent, I wouldn't say fluorescent lights, but uh, those like uh, office lights in obviously an yeah. office setting yeah. or even like when they're down uh, downstairs in the actual bike club, it's still overhead lighting. There's a very, it's a lack of sort of bright field light to colour in the rest of their face. From So it, all, it almost essentially is like light coming down and you can barely see their face. Um, so it's a very moody film. And I think that obviously adds to the, adds to the overall tone of what Fight Club is. So yeah, the evolution of colors, um, there's no evolution of brightness. It still stays pretty dark and moody throughout, but the evolution of colors Mm. from when Edward Norton is alone to when Edward Norton meets Brad Pitt until obviously up until the end is a very, um, is a nice evolution and it allows a smooth ride, I guess, for our eyes. Um, yeah. And it goes like with that, the same. Yeah. And it goes the same with the uh, cinematography as well. Very much in the perspective of where David Fincher wants us. So I think yeah. the one that really catches my eye is when that 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 shot of Edward Norton on his knees and behind him are all those guys, and that you can see the whole body, but you only see half of Edward Norton. You're you're down on his level, and then you're brought up. But again, mm. this mm. brings me on to. David Fincher knows how to use the camera and he knows what to show you and that evolves into CG. Now, yes. David Fincher knows how to use CG. He knows when to use it and he knows that he doesn't overuse it. Um, yeah, good CG you don't always notice. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the, the essentially one of the opening shots is, that one take from the top all the way yeah. down, setting up all of those, setting the locations, setting up the bomb, et cetera, et cetera. You know that shot that I'm talking about? Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's all CG. Now, mm. he yeah. wouldn't be able to do that without CG. But with that right. there, he uses it he uses it very intelligently to set up the locations, set up the the world, I guess, where they are, what they're doing. Um it shows it's 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 not a spectacle like what some CG shots are. Yeah. Right. But it has a floating nature to it, right? His camera is really yeah. fluent and really fast. So it, it it gives you a quick sense of the surroundings and 
uh, like you said, establishing um, a place or like uh, a bigger set piece in a sense that is really yeah. clever, right? We don't waste time it, on it. We get quick information. Um, but it's not like the CG is completely hidden. It, it's pretty obvious, yeah. I guess. But it yeah, doesn't it didn't take, take you out, out of the story, yeah, though. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it doesn't take you out of the story. There's so many other strong elements going on with the acting and the storyline and the production design and the wardrobe. It's like there's so many other things carrying the story and the CG mm. is well done that you're, it doesn't take you out of it. It's not jarring. And I think yeah, exactly. what I like, he, he knows how to use it well. Another good example that I can give, and it's one of my other favorite David Fincher films, it's, it's Zodiac, the uh, establishing shot of 1960s San Francisco. That entire shoreline is pretty mm -hmm. much CG. Amazing um, shot, yeah. Which, you know, you, you don't realize that until you get told that. And it's the same with some of these shots in Fight Club. They're CG, but they're not done to pull you out of the story. They're there to add on to what you're seeing. And it's relevant information. It's not like they're doing a crazy fucking, you know, 360 spiral shot out of space and then coming back down to like see a satellite or some shit, right? But on that note, they did use like a bullet time um, shot that was, that used the same thing as Matrix uh, when yeah. Mala and uh, I guess Brad Pitt are having sex. And they also, during that scene, little fun fact, they had clothes on and then they removed them uh, with CGI. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I want to, I don't have a lot to talk about the look of the film, um, just because I think it's something that's been done over and over again. And I think you guys have some very interesting things to talk about. So I won't take up much space. But I think for me, the most interesting component of David Finch's film is his use of CG. Um, and yeah, that, that comes from, I guess, I don't know. I don't know where he kind of gets the idea he wants to use, he knows when to use CG from. I don't know where it was birthed in him, but he's a smart dude and he yeah. knows when and where to use it and he knows how to use it, unlike some directors and some filmmakers. <laughs> Um, I'm not, I'm not taking any shots. I'm not taking any shots. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm not taking any shots. Um, but yeah, no, if, if, if David Fincher was to come up to me and be like, I want to do a, I'm going to do a, a film without CG. I'm going to be like, nah, bro. What, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure, man? I, I, I mean, are you, are you feeling okay? I think it comes from, from a place of, uh, knowing when you want complete control over how something's supposed to look, uh, yeah. I guess on top of a performance. Because he uses yeah. it, I think he famously uses it in Fight Club for blood and blood splatter and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he uses doesn't it, use um, quips and stuff like that. He he, he uses CG for that, and it's totally seamless. Like I didn't. I know I didn't the one yeah. in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm -hmm. There's that shot with um, uh, I can't think of his name, James Bond. Um, Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Uh, and he's in the bathtub, and that blood, I'm 99 sure, is CG. Um, that is a great use of CG. It's it's he's able to control the blood how he wants it to go. Oh yes, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if he did it already in Fight Club. Actually, yeah, that might yeah. have been. The first time he did um, it like this. But no, yeah, I, I the color palette of this film is incredible. Um, obviously, it's nothing to be blown away by, but the smart use of muted colors, you know, dark environments, and then getting brighter with Tyler or Brad Pitt, and then moving on, moving on, moving on. And it's the same mm -hmm. with the CG. CG is used impeccably. I mean, I wouldn't say impeccably. I mean, it's used well, and it's not overdone, and it doesn't pull you out of the film. When it's used, it's done right. And I have nothing really to complain about the look of the film. It's it, it it's it's it it's all pretty much perfecto. <laughs> I mean, the only time it takes me out of the film with CG is probably the ending, um, when those buildings collapse, just because that looks so surreal. But I guess that's also a way like a way you can interpret that scene. I guess in a sense that it it isn't that real. Uh, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just talking out of my ass at this point. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 scene I guess looks. I'd a say bit rough I'd say the there. same. Yeah, it looks pretty rough. However. At the same time, <laughs> um, the Where Is My Mind song is playing the with the guitar. Yeah, with the Pixies. <laughs> yeah. the, -na -na -na. 
And I'm just like, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> off, man. I'm enjoying that song. Um, it's fun, yeah. But yeah, no, I, yeah, surely, you know. Great music David, video, bro. If this was made by Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan would have blown up all those buildings. He would have. He would have. <laughs> He would have. Yes. He would have gotten all of the. He would have gotten all of the uh, detonations he needed. He would have Mr. He needs. Robot. Yeah. yeah, and then blown up everything in real life. Um. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 uh, the final shot. I can probably say yeah, it does pull you out a little bit, but I mean, still, it adds to. I don't. Know, then the music takes over. Yeah. I'm just I saying mean, the music takes over. Touching on that uh, final scene, that kind of leads us nicely over to Kelly's segment, right? Yeah. Wait. There's a couple things I want to say in like support of what Lachlan said. So oh, I feel like, no, 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 it's okay. No, no worries. Um, like kind of to support what Lachlan said, I just thought of this while he was talking. So there's an underlying theme with Fight Club. I'm sure like a lot of people have seen this movie can kind of tell there's about like a suppression of masculinity. So for Edward Norton's character, you see him in the beginning, like he, his life is, re he relies on like material things and he kind of has this job that he doesn't love. But I mean, from an objective perspective, he's living a pretty, I hate to use the word normal, but it's like he has a job. All the, His only problem in the beginning of the story is that he can't sleep and you don't really know the the extent I won't spoil anything but you don't know the extent of what's going on with him mentally until later on in the film so as far as you know as an audience member this is a guy with a job who is for whatever reason not happy has an apartment has all these things that are seemingly you know everyday kind of items everyday an everyday kind of lifestyle essentially is what I'm trying to say but you he's not happy he can't sleep and no one's helping him so the second he meets Tyler Tyler is a character and I guess what that connects to what Lachlan said is the colors that are used like the colors are very faint and black and white and they're kind of describing how this character is feeling he's not inspired by anything he's not really into anything he's not enjoying his life really um and he's trying to get help and no one's really helping him or taking him very seriously and then the second he meets tyler is the same moment that he loses his suitcase and then he his whole apartment blows up and it's like in contrast brad pitt's character is this person who doesn't really rely on material items um i remember when he, they're talking in the bar he's telling tyler he's like i was so close to being complete he was like all i you know when they're talking about duvets and he's talking about items that he thought were going to make him complete and then you have brad pitt's character who doesn't really have a home like might be squatting in that house that he's in it's like very unclear um he doesn't really have a ton of like personal items to, he doesn't have a ton of structure and it's really interesting to see those who kind of contrast each other and how the lighting does change and become more colorful as the movie progresses and as i don't want to spoil anything i don't know if oh, no you can spoil it we're doing spoil spoilers yeah, okay yeah. okay okay i'm being very careful here with my wording <laughs> no, that's, um that's as right. you kind Come of when you when you've seen the movie so uh. yeah as the story yeah everyone who has not seen fight club please just exit out of this right now um, but as you kind of, as an audience member, you discover more about how his, um, how Edward Norton's character is feeling, the crazier he gets, the more colorful things get. So like you look at Project Mayhem, like the colors they use for Project Mayhem are purple and green. So that's like very outside the color mm -hmm. palette that it was in the beginning of the film. Um, another thing too, that I was, I meant to touch on when I was speaking earlier is that, so he's looking right. He, his outlet is support groups. So the first support group that they show in those first 10 minutes is a support group for people who are struggling with testicular cancer. That is literally the perfect example of a group of men who are, who are struggling with their masculinity. It's clear as an audience member that that's an underlying theme. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So what do you guys think of Marla? She, she, she's crazy, man, but not as crazy as, uh, as the narrator, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Lachlan, what do you think of her? <sighs> she's so much fun. She like, yeah. I, I don't know. She's super dark, but she brightens up every scene that, I, that she's in. 
That's so lovely. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just it's just like it's just a character that I enjoy watching in this film. Um, every time she comes on, obviously, um, uh, what's her name? Helena Carter. Um, yeah, she's Tim Burton's wife. Helena Carter. Yeah, she uh, she's a phenomenal actress. So. I think she was perfect casting wise. Oh no, hundred percent. Um, but she she nails every scene that she's in. Yeah, she's stunning too. Like I don't know, I just I don't know that one scene where she has that bridesmaid dress on. Like she looks like so yeah, even though she's like such a dark character, it's just like kind of a cool. And the way she talks about it is cool. It's like great writing. Um. Okay. So do you guys think that I was gonna talk about um their relationship? Like, do you guys think this couple makes it? Like, do you think they have potential? Like, do you think they're meant to be together? Hell no. (laughs) And I want you to break it down. Relationship. Uh. Well, like, I guess we kind of have to talk about what, what leads up to it, but they have a, they have a really fucked up relationship. Uh, right yeah. from, I guess they kind of start off in a sweet way where they have, they did, yeah. right? They're both going to those support help, help groups, um, kind of faking it until they're kind of making it in their own lives because they're failing, uh, psychologically. So you'd think that they would maybe help each other out a bit, but then, I don't know, then it's just completely, uh, not, is it abusive in a sense? I guess the way he treats her. Well, Um, I think that these two people want to be saved. I think these two people mm. are two perfect examples of two human beings that really want to be saved but don't know how. Um, I think they're brilliant characters. I think they're flawed in a lot of really, like, in a, from a writing and character perspective, they're perfectly flawed and they, I think they complement each other in an interesting way. I think we have to throw, I think in starting this conversation, we need to throw the term healthy relationship just, like, straight out the window. Like, they I, are I guess, by no yeah, means <laughs> the example of a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, evidence why I think there are two people looking to be saved is, like, the first time that they meet is during a support group and jack jack is like so happy because he can like fake that he's in these support groups and he can cry and he's like really feeling good about that and it's like letting him sleep and but he's fake like none of this is real he's not actually in a support group he's not actually facing the things that are bothering him in his life and then because of marla he can't he doesn't have that outlet anymore because he doesn't want to cry in front of her and the fact that he impacts her so quickly i just like sometimes i wonder if maybe it's a really dark version of like love at first sight in a way because you like so hate isn't he hates her right off the bat right mm. but hate is not the opposite of love the opposite of love is like feeling nothing right so if you hate someone you still have feelings toward them you don't you haven't really worked out what they are because he hates her based off of nothing because he doesn't know her very well mm. i'm sorry i just touched my knife i just touched my mic <laughs> but he doesn't he can't really hate her because he doesn't even know her so the fact that this he's obviously a very flawed character and he's got a lot of psychological problems but i think in a weird way he's very unclear mentally this entire movie so i think in a weird way he something about her really impacted him right away um and yeah and then something really sits with him right away because obviously he, he doesn't even know this girl he can't cry in front of her or something mm-hmm. yeah i think it's well, like a really i think it can be perceived as a very dark version of love at first sight in a very twisted way that storyline could support so i guess you mm. would kind of lean towards that they uh, are kind of um not s- supplementing no they're, they're kind of uh what's the word for it they're kind of um oh shit i can only think of german no it's okay no it's okay <laughs> but also they the kind of work time... together in a well because they're kind of similar but also different and that kind of makes them connect in a in a sense so, so you, yeah. you would think that they would make it as a couple after this i don't honestly i don't know but also the first time they're together marla the first time they really are together together is like the night that marla's like trying to commit suicide and like mm-hmm. him going mm-hmm. over there saves her from that and i just think it's interesting like i think the whole thing is interesting like i don't know if these people work out but something i will also say is like these people know they're i feel like they're not really keeping a ton of secrets from each other either like yeah. i think I, mean, I think they really i think yeah. they really know each other know that he's that he's two people (laughs) yeah 
Right. Like I think, I think this weirdly enough, I think this couple has potential, not in a healthy relationship way by any means, but just as their connection as a whole, I think they have potential in the sense that there's really no secrets. Like he knows that he ends up telling her about Tyler. And like, I do notice like, even when he is so unclear, he is trying so hard like that scene where he he isn't sure if he's Tyler or not, he calls her first. And then the first person he sees is her. He brings her to the restaurant and he's like trying to protect her, but it's all wrong because he's not right in the head. So I yeah. think like the, the love and the connection is there because even when he's at his most unclear, he's trying so hard to be there for her. But at the same time, like obviously there's many things that could go wrong in this relationship. Um, But I'm more or less giving a non-traditional take on why they aren't as bad for each other as one would obviously think. I think I got a take on this, Kelly. I, I think do? I think you mentioned um at some point, uh like after after podcast that uh you love reality TV. Um and maybe oh, if God. we ever do something like this then like something on reality TV. <laughs> I, I should bring you on again. And I feel like you just like from the reality, reality TV and all the fucked up people that are usually on there. <laughs> you're rooting for oh. them <laughs> in the wrong sense in some way. Ah, so true. <laughs> okay, well, I, I do. I do. For those of you who don't know me, I do love some good reality TV, but I'm not mm. really into. Surprisingly, I'm not really into like the dating reality TV. I'm more into oh. like the Real Housewives. So I'm, I'm yes, Real Housewives is what Real Housewives is, whatever people want to say about it. But it's not really about couples. It's more about like I guess women arguing with each other. But, <laughs> Which is really entertaining. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not trying to to like. Uh, no, it's uh, okay. I'm totally, like that. But, yeah, I'm that totally was interesting fine to with see, it. Um, no, you, no. How you I, go about this? I kind of I don't know. I just noticed uh, something maybe that that maybe is there or not. But I, I found it uh, interesting. Okay, well, I'm about to surprise you. So okay. just in general. So my response to that is I do not think, while I appreciate the comment, I do not think this is a reality TV thing for me. <laughs> I don't think it's connected to reality TV. What I will say about this couple is I think, okay, I think love is messy, right? I think it's, I think telling someone you love them is such a big deal. And I think, I think I'm not saying, again, healthy relationship, the term healthy relationship is out the window when I'm describing this. I think real love is messy. I think telling someone you love them for the first time is a really big deal. And I think, I mean, honestly, in my life, I think that while I think a a very peaceful, like, I love you, I love you too, in relationships is amazing. And people have experienced that. Oh my gosh, I'm not downplaying that at all. If someone were able to be no and saying I love you for for the first time was very smooth and an amazing experience, that's awesome. Some of the best I love views I've ever had in my life are like kind of messy. You know what I mean? Like sometimes not someone's one person trying to say it, one person isn't. And sometimes it's not always perfect. And sometimes I think I think I love you can be a little awkward. And I think falling in love can be really awkward. I mean, for this couple, really awkward because it's it's all very new and it's very overwhelming. And I think that's kind of one of the most beautiful things about love. So I'm kind of like randomly rooting for this couple because I think they're both so flawed in so many ways, but I think they really want to be together. And while that's not the most picture perfect thing in the world, I think there are all kinds of relationships. And I mean, granted, I think Ed Norton's character is very, um, he's definitely on thin ice. Like I could definitely see him continuing to treat her poorly. But now that Tyler is quote unquote, oh god spoiler alert okay everyone (laughs) please shut off this podcast if you have not seen fight club but once he kills tyler at the end like i do see that as a new beginning for that couple and i do feel very hopeful for them because i do think while they're not perfect and there's so many things wrong i just feel like i I feel that they both want it and they're just kind of going about it the wrong way and i think that is something on a very on a less extreme level does happen in everyday life like people do want to be together but they just can't figure it out for some reason (laughs) like they almost get in their own ways you know i mean he uh edward norton's character is such a passive 
character throughout the, the pretty much the entirety of the film. He's just kind of reacting right. off of himself in a sense, right? Always totally. kind of lagging behind. And once he and makes that decision yeah. to kill Tyler within himself, he's becoming, he's yeah. kind of taking charge. That's kind of what he's representing. So I guess if you would see this less in a cynical and pessimistic way as, as I probably would Definitely. see it as like a hopeful note that uh, he, that's, this represents kind of him cha- taking charge of his life and maybe changing <laughs> he definitely needs well, medical yeah. help but uh yeah t- uh, totally yeah, i mean maybe. he needs a lot of specialists he needs a lot of specialists he needs a lot of therapy and you you know what he's got a lot of self-work to do um but wait it's funny that you bring that up though because when him and when edward norton's character and brad pitt's character are talking about how he is tyler um one of them something that brad pitt keeps saying in that scene is you need to take accountability you can't just say this was all me that's something that they talk about like Mm -hmm. right off the bat he's like you can't say this is like this is something all like all me like you have to take accountability for things and like i think that's a part of the process that is a part of the process when he kills tyler like he has to be like oh i did all this and i think that's what Mm -hmm. he's trying to do when he turns himself into the cops like he's trying to take accountability and it's like not working but then also this is my last point as an audience member it's really tough because throughout the film we have an unreliable narrator like as an audience member like as he gets crazier and crazier the audience isn't really given a warning but all of a sudden we have an unreliable narrator because Mm -hmm. it's very because as a character it's hard for him to tell the difference between reality and like his dreams and things like that he's having trouble yeah yeah the penguins he's having trouble with understanding like what's a hallucination and what's not and the sense of reality so we are kind of left to be like i mean maybe it's real maybe it's not but we were meant yeah. to feel that way like it's the way that david fincher definitely designed this which also makes it so brilliant it's, it's like almost we are in an insomnia state ourselves which like he what he says as well is like you are never when you have insomnia never really asleep but you're also never really awake and that's how a lot of this feels like it feels almost like we are almost in kind of a dream state at all times but also yeah. not it's so but yeah, I think that that penguin scene is really integral to show that w- what's about to come at I like how the movie's tone is. I I guess that brings us to the end of your segment, Kelly. So we'll move over to mine. Um, I'm doing writing a really exciting part of. Uh, wait, wait, really quick, you and yes, Lachlan, I? would you would you date Marla? <laughs> oh no! Before we end this, I just have to ask. He's nodding. Yes. He, he, he can't confirm because he has a girlfriend. That would be kind of weird, right? Oh, yeah. Shoot. You in? Uh, he, you I, think he, I think he's pleading the fifth. So. I think he's pleading the fifth, too. Um, you in? Would you date Marla? Uh, <laughs> hell no. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it, with, with someone who has a lot of problems like that, you kind of fall quickly fall into uh, that, like, savior mode. <laughs> manly oh, thing. Yeah. Or not a manly thing. It, it goes for both genders where you're trying to save, save someone in the relationship. And I think that's really unhealthy because once you kind of, quote unquote, have saved them or they've gone to a better place or they, they, well, you can't save them. Uh, they have to save themselves. It's always like that. But uh, once that process has been done, that's not the core of the relationship any, anymore. And I think that's kind of when usually those types of relationships fail. So long story short, no, <laughs> I wouldn't date Marla. Although she's a lot a, of fun. That was a lovely response. Both of you were very mature about that. I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it probably, um, Lockdowns was probably smarter with not saying anything. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the writing. So, Fight Club is based on. Oh, Fight Club is not based on. <laughs> I guess the, the movie Fight Club is based on the novel from um Chuck. Wait, let me hear that name once more, one more time. From Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, he wrote the novel, and then it was adapted by Jim Uhls, whose other biggest screen screenplay credit that he has is Jumper. He hasn't really done anything else. Have you seen? Have you guys seen Jumper? No. 
I've uh, heard of it. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen it like 10 or 12 years ago. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but obviously Fight Club is a great screenplay as well. But uh, he actually wasn't the first choice that they had to adapt this novel into a screenplay because the writer of the novel was never interested in adapting. The a producer was considering um, the guy, Buck Henry, who adapted The Graduate from 1967 to do this, but it ended up then being Jim Ols. And there's a, basically a bunch of uncredited writers on this project, including Norton and uh, Brad Pitt, also David Fincher and Cameron Crone. And the last notable person is Andrew Kevin Walker, which uh, he's a funny one because there are three characters in Fight Club, um, the three officer dudes in that little interrogation scene that are called Mr. An- Mr. Andre, Kevin and Walker, named after the three names that this uncredited writer had, which I found kind of funny. Um, but anyways, that's a little intro on the writing background from Fight Club. But now for my segment, I want to do something fun with you guys. I want to involve you a bit. Listeners at home, feel free to chime in as well. I don't know where you would be able to, I guess, kind of post uh, your opinions and your guesses because we're doing a, a, a trivia in a second. But I guess you can reach over on Twitter or what, I don't know, wherever you can find. Just leave a comment and then <laughs> whatever kind of stuck out at you. Maybe a fun fact. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, we are doing trivia questions and about, about, <laughs> mostly about the writing. And uh, we're keeping track of the points and the winner gets to punch me on the ear, right? Does that, that sound good? Yes! Yes? No? Oh, okay. We, I guess we're, <laughs> yes. not, we, we're not condoling violence here. Um, it's a safe safe work environment, but it's I'm down. I'm the only totally time king. you get to punch your boss. How about, how about wait? <laughs> how about um, loser has to tell a secret on the podcast? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Kelly, what, what, what are we are 12. <laughs> yeah, you have to oh tell god, a secret. You have to tell oh a my. secret. Okay. We see your crush. <laughs> Look, COVID brings you to strange places. You guys have to go with it. Also, just so everyone knows, we literally can't punch you in because we're all a little remote right, right now. You know, it's, just like a couple uh, continents, your, like no big deal. Yeah, depending <laughs> on you use the Imperial or the metric system, it's anyways, it's a couple thousand of that um, system, you know. Uh, it's a lot of lot of kilometers or a lot of miles. <laughs> it would take a really long time. That far, you know? It would um, be a long trip to go and punch him in the ear. Lachlan already has his ticket booked to go see you and punch him. Oh, I'd love to. I'd host him. He'd have <laughs> a great time. Right now. You know, yeah, like, I invited yeah. him for that purpose. Lord. I mean, he invited me as well, I think, at some point, like, so a little bit casually. And I was like, ooh, if I ever go to Perth, I'm, I'm excited to, to meet up again at some point. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to give it some time. Anyways, let, let's get into the trivia ca- questions. So our first one is, does Chuck uh, Poloniak, sorry, I'm butchering the name already, uh, like the film even better than his novel? What do you guys think? No, he no? hates it. He hates it? Kelly, what do you think? I kind of want to give the opposite perspective, just because... I'm gonna say the, I'm gonna say the opposite. Oh, you're gonna say the opposite? Well, ding, ding, yeah. ding! Points to Kelly. He actually likes it a little bit better. He, he sees it as an improvement to his story. Oh, uh, something that I guess Stephen King will never do <laughs> with any of the work that's adapted. Uh, true, him. but true. Uh, even if their masterpiece is like The Shining, uh, he he actually liked it a lot. So, okay, so the next one, next trivia question. That's Wait, one, that's one really point quick. for Kelly. Yeah, really quick. Did you guys know that Stephen King, you can um you can adapt any of his work for one dollar. Like it's like a thing. Like you contact his lawyers and you literally pay one dollar and you can like adapt. Like you can use his work. Oh, I feel like a student or something. Story. Yeah, isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, I probably- yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Isn't that I mean, really cool? I, I yeah, I have no idea. He has a lot of properties, though. <laughs> it's probably yeah. just because he can't keep track of it. And then he can shit on it and promote his stuff a bit more. It's like, read my book or my short story because this movie or this TV show is bad. Mine better. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> mm. I don't know how Stephen mm. King talks, but uh, yeah. 
sounded just like him. I'm not. Uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> just like him. I know. I'm great impression. Just like him. Anyway. Anyways. Uh. So our next question is a multiple choice one. So oh. did uh Chuck Poloniak come up with uh, how how did uh, Chuck Poloniak come up with the idea for the novel Fight Club? Is it A, his ex-girlfriend left him over his obsession with Swedish furniture? Or is it B, from his teenage rampage, rampage days in which he went out on wrecking mayhem on public properties when one night one of his friends got arrested and put into jail for four weeks? Or is it C, after he was beaten up by a bunch of campers when he complained about the noise their radio was making? Or was it D, he had a physical altercation with one of his higher-ups at a firm he was working in his mid-twenties? I've already so guys, forgotten what do you the think? first what was three. The inspiration? I think it's D. You, you think it's D? Okay. Like one, what about I you? think it's D uh, or B. I don't know because I forgot the first three. <laughs> well, one was um, ex-girlfriend over furniture, Swedish furniture. Second one was uh, wild teenage days where one of his friends got locked up. One was him being beaten up by campus because he complained about the noise. And the fourth one was, uh, well, you, I guess you guys remember. <laughs> I guess no, no, I, no, I, no, no, it now, I, now I forgot it again. <laughs> Oh my god, I have to screen share. <laughs> you guys won't know. Uh, yeah, wait, can we get a guesses in? <laughs> I think it's D. D, okay. So he had a physical indication with one of his higher ups. Uh, uh-huh. I also yeah. think it's B also because it was the longest one. Like, I feel like the longest answer is usually uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm throwing you a bone and you're just, you're just, uh, you're, you're taking it. <laughs> it's actually uh, leading you to false uh, the wrong way. Lachlan, what do you think? Which one, which one is it? Um, altercation with wife. Uh, I want to... Did you say altercation with wife over Swedish you, furniture? No. Yeah. No. So wanna, IKEA furniture. I think it's the in? first one. Yeah, it's I want that one? one. Okay. So are you guys not phoning in? Are you are you good? You sticking with well, your answers? I don't remember which one it was. All I remember I just, is IKEA I'm just furniture. To you. <laughs> so okay. IKEA furniture. <laughs> okay. For the future, I guess I have to um, make this into a, a visual thing that you guys can look at to make it a bit easier. Um, my Swiss noises m- maybe make it a bit harder to understand and <laughs> keep it in your memory for a bit. But you were both wrong. It's actually C. Uh, it's after he, he was beaten up by a bunch of campers after he complained about the noise. That was the inspiration um, for the story. Interesting stuff, right? Isn't it? I, I was trying to, uh, really hard to come up with other scenarios that are kind of tying in with the with the with the story with the film, and I guess it kind of worked. So. Wait, so do you know anything more about Answer C? Like that's so interesting. Um. Well, yeah, it, it, it was pretty much that and then uh, what other things that led to it is that uh what inspired like other things like the help groups and the public destruction stuff like that he knew people that were doing that like friends of his that had like yeah. similar problems like that or dealt with similar uh, dealt with their problems in similar ways that's what uh that's where that came from um and he also knew someone who was i think in a in in a sort of club where they were uh doing a similar thing but not to the extent of fight club of course but yeah it was a bunch mm-hmm. of things but I, I guess being beaten up <laughs> he felt something within himself that compelled him to to write this yeah uh but yeah it's not as straightforward yeah. as with the iron giant where it was just that uh he lost his sister uh, to gun violence and then something like that yeah. it was that I mean, I love to uh, like dive a little deeper into where stories come from, yeah. especially if they're as creative and they actually have a point to make. But anyways, uh, let's move over to our next thing. Uh, so our next question is, what was Marla's line <laughs> during the pillow talk scene? And maybe uh, you guys remember there was a quick cut in which uh, someone said, like, it's the most fucked up thing that anyone has ever said to me. In a sense like that, maybe you guys remember that scene. Do you maybe. guys remember what she was saying? 
okay, what? Okay, so you're saying it's a pillow talk scene. So, are, but I yeah. feel like they're never they're never in a bedroom really for that long during the movie. Well, yeah, I, I guess he couldn't really. Uh, pillow talk, I guess, is kind of um. They were talking it the next morning. Way. Was it when they were talking the next morning? Yeah, it was basically like a punchline type of type of thing where she just said something outrageous about the sex. I remember Brad Pitt saying something like she was saying crazy things, but I don't remember what she said. It's killing me. Wait, is it with? Wait, 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 wait. Who's she talking to? Is she talking to? Is she talking to Brad Pitt? Yeah, she's talking to Brad Pitt. Yeah. Is the sex? Is it? Is it the sex after Brad Pitt? It's sex after Brad Pitt. Yeah, she's talking about. Oh, oh, oh! And it's the first time they had sex. Um, my, I think so. It's got. It's like something to do with her being fucked as a kid or something. Yeah, yeah, you're on the right track. Oh, she said. She said. Oh, she said she hadn't done it since like since grade school. Yeah, yes, that's a cool. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I haven't been fucked like this since grade school. Uh, which okay. So the the reason I bring this up is because uh, there used to be a different line in here that, and then the producers wanted to change it. It used to be initially, uh, I want to have your abortion, <laughs> and then the producers were like, Nah, you can't put it, that in there. And then they changed it to, I haven't been fucked like this since grade school. And then they were like, Nah, yeah, you also better, can't do apparently. that. And Fincher was like, They were like, Go back to the abortion one. And he was like, Nope, not gonna change it this time. So uh, yeah, there's an alternate take. Well, she you know says that, another really fucked up thing. <laughs> you know that me- you know that meme where it's like upgrade. No, go back, go back. That's, <laughs> yes. that's exactly what the producers that's did. A, that's the producers on this film. Uh, like reading yeah. backstories to a lot of stuff. Fincher had to fight really hard to get some some stuff made, and yeah, it's yeah. not like at a point in his career where he was just able to do anything. Yeah, uh, but he, he definitely had control, but he didn't have like complete control because he wasn't as big as Cameron or Spielberg, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so we got what's our next one? We got another one. Um. Okay, so I just wanna, I just wanna maybe bring, um, have some little bit of a brainstorming session that we do, and he is just, uh, who can name more, uh, of the moments in which uh, we get hints towards Tyler and the narrator being one and the same person. Maybe, maybe the biggest moment that you guys ha- can think of. Um, <laughs> when he shoots him. Well, I mean, that's I mean, the biggest we, part, isn't I it? I mean, before we find out. I mean, hints. Oh, from, I got a couple. Uh, Hold on, I got a couple. Wait, Kelly, you have notes? I don't have notes. I'm just going off the top of my oh, head. Oh, I totally I jotted five, some of these pages down. Of notes, man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, I I'm just going yeah. off We're trying to be professional, but we really aren't, but we're trying to be. <laughs> um, um, so this are, these are suggestions that he is Tyler. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's really interesting to kind of break down a bit, to kind of see how, how obvious it actually is once you know it. Yeah. Always, I got it always is when you know it, you know, when you know the twist. Then right. Then you know the twist. Um, what was I going to say? So there's one point. So if you notice, Tyler's really only with him at nighttime. Like right. he's never really with Tyler during the day. He's always with Tyler at nighttime. True. And and yeah. And then if you think about the colors too, it's like dark. And obviously Tyler's kind of like a dark part of his life. Um, he says a couple of things like, you can't talk to Marla about me. Um, Tyler speaks for me. He says that a lot. Like sometimes Tyler speaks for me. And when yes. him and Marla are trying to have an emotional conversation, they're getting, they're really trying to be like emotionally intimate. Um, the They use sound effects of construction sites. Yeah. Like Edward Norton's character is trying to talk to Marla, but they're using, and I think this is so creative, they're using, it's literally these jarring sound effects of a construction site. And it's like, he's trying to have a clear mind, but he can't because Tyler's taking over. And then Tyler's like, are you talking about me? And Tyler's literally mm. holding them back from emotional intimacy at that point. Um, yeah. I'm yeah, so dramatic when lot. I say that, yeah. but it is true. Feel it like is Kelly true. gets to punch me at the end, Lachlan. Do you, do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't feel like you want to punch me, man. Come on. 
Um, he says he says a bunch of stuff though that I feel like I wrote it somewhere else too, and it's killing me. Oh no, I think I have it right here. Um, he says I also feel like when he sends the haikus at work, like I feel like that's a really clear sign that he's losing his mind. Um, oh, and then when they, he asks about Tyler sleeping with Marla for the first time, like when they're talking in the kitchen and he's wearing the pink robe, also very interesting fashion choice compared to everyone else's wardrobe choice in the movie, which is very clear. Like his wardrobe is yeah. another dead giveaway. Like he's literally a cartoon character compared to everyone else. And then, which I did say earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, he, they're talking about him sleeping with Marla for the first time. And as Tyler's talking about it, Edward Norton's character says, I already knew the story before he told me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was talking, man, you got, you got a lot of points. That is impressive, Kelly. Wow. Okay. And I, I mean, you're definitely getting the point. <laughs> I'm making okay. a comeback from the beginning of the podcast. I mean, luckily, I really, you know. Luckily, you, you got, you got some more. There's That's, the one, there's the, that just there's shows the that golf, there's a lot of uh, there's the golf balls. There's the golf balls oh, when yeah. uh, Brad Pitt hits the car. Uh uh, doesn't go off, and then Edward Norton's character hits the car and it goes off. Yeah, it's actually fun fact. They they were shooting at an they were actually shooting those and they were shooting at uh their um well, what are they called uh crafts at the crafts car. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Um uh and isn't the um is something like about uh, the he doesn't get any calls like he couldn't call him back mm, with the payphone. Yeah. On, on that payphone, oh, yeah. The it payphone. zoomed in a bit and it said uh, no returning calls. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, and Tyler calls him back on the payphone. Like, Tyler calls, everyone's character calls, Brad Pitt's character, yeah. he doesn't pick up. He calls yeah. him back yeah. on the payphone. Like, that's not possible. Yeah, that's what, that's what Luckman just said. Literally impossible. Kelly, Kelly wants to sneak up and get your point. Um, I'm just like, and then there's the, and then you've got like <laughs> the, the, like, oh my God. <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh my God, that's great. And then you've got cut the, out um, Luckman. And it's the just going to be you. Yeah, the car crash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another one. Those are the three that I know of. Wait, what about I'm not being prepared. Well, that's pretty okay, wait, impressive. But, wait, can you explain the car crash? Like, why it's obvious? Because Tyler is driving and then he pulls Edward out of the car. Edward Norton out of the car. I keep saying mm -hmm. Tyler, but like Brad and it, Pitt. And they're also, uh, they, they're leaving on both the sides. So the way that they leave the car doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, like the way that it's flipped. It's, it's hard to explain if you don't see it. But if you, maybe if you guys... And just it's on Amazon Prime here in Switzerland. I don't know where you would watch the film <laughs> actually, but if you just watch that scene play back again, it's kind of weird that, that the way that um, Tyler is moving in that scene. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. another pickup. Well, I have I have another one that's kind of, I have two more that are uh, really uh, subtle in a way. So we got um, one moment, uh, forty five minutes and twenty seconds. I actually actually have them time coded. I know, I know, I'm I'm prepared, guys. I'm professional, Nerd. but. Nerd. <laughs> Fuck off, Aussie cunt. Uh, <laughs> anyways, when um when Tyler and the narrator are both on the bus, <laughs> there's a long-haired like dude that pushes past Tyler, and he doesn't say anything. And then when he goes past um Edward Norton, he says, "Excuse me." So that's another really subtle thing. And then there's also a scene in which um the guy who owns the bar that they hold the Fight Club in comes in and he punches Tyler. Uh, he punches Brad Pitt, and then in the background, in, in in the scene, um, you can see Edward Norton just kind of tilting his head down a bit, as if he's receiving a punch and kind of feeling it, but not like in a too obvious way. It's, it's such a subtle thing, um, that I that I noticed. I was really proud of myself. I was like, ha, I, I I saw that. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, can you all clap for me? I feel like I'm deserving the point. Although Kelly had notes as well, I feel I'm giving this point. To I just, I just, guys, I just want to punch myself. <laughs> that's what's happening here. Um, but we also have one other thing that's really uh, kind of subliminally training us that something is kind of off with Tyler. We have the flashes, right, of Tyler Durden throughout the scenes. So my next question is, 
before we are properly introduced to Tyler Durden for the first time in the airplane scene, how many times does he show up in like flashes of a of a frame? Can we get? Can you tell us if like, it's? Can you tell us if it's over under twenty? <laughs> it's under twenty. Is it? Is it under? Is it under five times? I'm not. That, that's way too it's close, man. It's definitely oh, really? over five times. Well, I mean, it's way too. Is it, is it under? Is it under ten? Is it under ten? It's under, it's under ten. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, fuck it. I'm gonna say five. Okay, five. I'm gonna yeah, say. What about you, Kelly? I'm gonna say it's definitely over five. Okay. You doing the countdown? I'm gonna say eight. (laughs) (laughs) Say eight. You said eight. Yeah, eight. Eight. Oh, please be the four. Okay, so five and eight. Okay, so ding, ding, ding. The winner is Lachlan. Um, actually, he's he's pretty on point. Um, with five. It's (laughs) like officially, I guess it's four, but there's also a fifth one that's kind of a hidden one. So can you count? So far, do you guys remember? They're all hidden. What about the montage <laughs> though? When hidden, he's like looking, one's like hidden, 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 and then there's one that I had to look hidden. it up on like some wait, some subreddit that I had to find this on. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, 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 guys. What about when he's looking for Tyler? He goes on a plane so many times. Uh, no, no. Before he meets him uh, properly yeah, on the airplane. Him. Before he oh, first meets him. No. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's more after that. Okay. Sorry. I guess you can. Yeah, uh, you were. No, no, that's my fault. I misunderstood the question. Okay, continue. Uh, it's a latency <laughs> issue, you know. It's, it takes I'm a long so, time honestly, to get to, before it gets over to New York. Uh, also, it is so late in New York right like, now. Just anyone listening, like yeah, I just want I mean, you to know, it is almost two a.m. for I me. I am, I am doing my best here. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so there's four times when he shows up. Uh, in an obvious way, there's one at his workplace. There's one in the self-help group. There's one at a hospital, and there's one when he leaves the self-help group group after Mala is like storming out, and you can see him um, down a path. And there's actually a, a fifth time when um, Tyler is early on in a montage where he's traveling a lot. There's a scene on a TV in in which there's an there's an ad playing for a hotel, and there's one guy who's just randomly out of like 30 people on screen. It's Brad Pitt. So <laughs> random fact right there. Wait, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I'm just happy that I won. Yeah, yeah. Are oh, you getting another point? Uh, well, actually, well, guys, Lachlan, it's Lachlan is celebrating. He's doing like a victory dance right now, if you can't see him. <laughs> He's doing Fortnite dances and TikTok dances. Oh, yeah. He, he did loves a TikTok, TikTok dance. Lachlan a loves ago. TikTok, guys. If you, so if you didn't know, I hate TikTok. TikTok loves TikTok. I hate guys, TikTok okay. so much. I think, I think TikTok's like kind of cute, just given. <laughs> Maybe it's the COVID of it, but I think it's kind of cute that people are excited. I have to stop you because otherwise, um, Lachlan is going into a rampage. Because last time I I kind of memed it that I was trying to talk about TikTok on the podcast as as a joke. He got angry with me. Yeah, maybe you should skip it. I don't think I don't think I don't think this topic needs a ton of attention. But I I don't have a yeah. Let's skip it. I Mm. think it's a better idea. Anyway, I got I got a few more for you guys. I got I got two more. Look at Lachlan's face. (laughs) I got two more quick ones for you. So. Uh, throughout it. the film, um, the narrator use, uses a couple of fake names. Uh, can you guys remember what they were? The narrator uses fake names. Oh, Cornelius. Cornelius is one of them. Edward Norton Cornelius? in the self-help groups. Cornelius, yeah, yes. Shit, one point know. for Kelly. That's nice. Yes. Cornelius. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm giving you a hint. Uh, two hints. Uh, one starts with an R and the other one starts with a T. Okay. Robert? A uh, close one. Ooh. No. Well, it's no, actually not. No. <laughs> Okay. 
I know that Marla says them. I just don't n- remember. Uh, I wouldn't have remembered them actually. Uh, you got any any more guesses? Otherwise, I'm going to reveal. She the other says two. them. Yeah, she says them on the phone. Like she's like, "Which one are you?" Because she went to the self help groups after they agreed not to have the same ones, and she says like, mm-hmm. "So which one are you today?" And then she lists them. But the only one I can remember is Cornelius because Bob calls him Cornelius. Yeah, that's that's so kind of out of place that name that it kind of stands out. Yeah, um, it is, and a lot of people bring it up too, which is funny. Yeah, Cornelius is is the one that Bob's uh, Bob, I guess, kind of remembers him by. Uh, yeah, he greets him out on the street, so he kind of sticks with you. Lachlan, you got any guesses for for the name? No, 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 blanking. No, okay. they're not okay. coming to me, man. So uh, there's there's a reason why I'm talking about this. So the one is Cornelius, that is right, and we also got Rupert and Travis. So the connection here is wow. that these names are kind of taken from other famous characters from film history um cornelius being the one from the 1968 planet of the apes and rupert being robert de niro's character in the king of comedy and then again robert de niro as travis in taxi driver right okay yeah yeah so that, that's kind of the connection there right. that's really cool actually yeah um okay then i have one last one before i have another quick fact for you and then we'll we'll move over uh to something different and try and wrap it up <laughs> because we've been going on for a long time guys i, I hope it's interesting because <laughs> just just so much stuff to talk about it, um, about fight club although we're not supposed to talk about it sorry not supposed to make that and make that joke again we're not supposed to talk mm-hmm. about the joke that we don't make about fight club that we're not oh. supposed to talk about it's really meta I under- anyways i understand so- lachlan's call on that it's like it, it's it's cute, but there is a cheese factor. Exactly. But, but he, he literally said first, before we recorded this last episode, he was like, I'm going to do this every single time we say Fight Club. And he was like smirking and he enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, but some actually, part of him actually enjoyed it. I kind of got sick of it. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, got, he got it out of his system. He was over it by the time we got to the podcast. So we got one last one. So this is a hard one. Uh, so there's a scene in which Tyler and the narrator are destroying a car and they're both like looking at each other for a second and then they hit it passionately um during like the mayhem montage uh, mayhem montage in a way do you guys remember or know which uh, what type of car it was bmw nope um which which car do they passionately destroy in one of the scenes Volkswagen? There's like a little moment that they share where they just kind of hold it in for a second, look at each other, and then they um, both start beating a car. Yeah, I don't remember the type of car, actually. These are really hard trivia questions. All right. That kind of leads into a little anecdote on set because during rehearsals, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton kind of discovered that they both hated the Volk, uh, Volkswagen Beetle. <gasps> Wait, they hated that was, it with my, second that was so my second guess. That was my second guess. they got on set and got to hitting the cars, they insisted that it would be um, a car like this as well. And then when yep. they told Fincher about it, he was into that as well because that was such a car from the youth of the 60s. And now okay. that kind of youth has grown up to be the corporate bosses of the 90s. So mm. it kind of represented that in a way um, as a symbol of uh, kind of their own youth and, and another generation growing up. So that kind of uh, led into that little moment. I love my little fun fact. To bring me to the, to the end of my segment and kind of to the, talk a bit about the ending of the film, um, most notably... I guess how the differences between the novel are most strongly um, visible in the ending, because as we all know, the film version ends with Mala and the narrator watching a firework-like destruction of the city, and in the novel, the, uh, the narrator ends up in a mental institution, and m- like uh, multiple members of the Project Mayhem are still carrying out the wishes of Tyler Durden. But for the for the novel, there's also um, two comic sequels in a sense. That we, I guess, we don't really get that in the film version. We just get a conclusion, and I really hope, I guess, hopefully you'll you'll agree with me on this one. I really hope that we never get a sequel to this film. 
Yeah. Uh, it just stands on its own. No film sequel, but I'm pretty sure there was like a comic book sequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I don't think for... Was it for the film as well? I don't know. It was just a sequel, but... Right. Um. But yeah, that wraps up my segment. I don't want to keep you guys any longer in my writing room. <laughs> but before we end today's episode, today's Roll That Again, Um. do you guys have anything, like a, a one big subject that you guys want to talk about uh, before we wrap it up? I, I have a couple of themes written down that I think would be interesting talk about I'm, I'm skipping over a few things i wanted to talk about uh kind of your opinions on art influencing society but we can do this another time there's a lot of films that i guess kind of work well for that and it's also kind of a redundant question a lot of times the um, cool topic. but yeah i see luckily you're showing interest in kind of um, the theme of social commentary and consumer culture and capitalism well, and no individuality was something that we didn't actually talk about and it was an it's an interesting fact it's the fact that there's a starbucks cup in every scene yeah that is yeah um, I, I didn't even notice that <laughs> to be honest so i think it's a theme that we didn't touch on the consumer culture that is riddled throughout the film um obviously the most subtle thing and it's an interesting fact that people find out about the film later on is the fact that there's a starbucks cup in every scene so when i mean obviously when we when when you watch a film you instantly don't think about the themes unless you're a film nerd um most people most mainstream uh, audiences will watch a film and go that was entertaining they won't go oh yes consumer culture um but yeah no i think i think it won't talk about it unless it's uh, unless it's game of thrones yeah pretty much it does connect um, to materialism though for sure because like yeah. the, they mainly show them at the beginning of the film when they're highlighting how much um edward norton characters rely edward norton's character relies on materialism and like what he owns. yeah yeah i think the the fact that the alter ego for edward norton's character being brad pitt being so completely opposite um that's where we want to be kind of not having because yeah. it's kind of it's pretty obvious that David Finch is like, you guys are Edward Norton and there's a few people who are like Brad Pitt and we should be more like Brad Pitt and not be so into consumer culture. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see, I, 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 I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really going to tap into the capitalism side of it that you've got yeah. written down and the I no think, individuality. I, I, I mean, I'm like too, I'm not qualified enough to, I guess, talk about capitalism and, and how yeah. it maybe tackles that. But I think we can all talk about, I guess, consumer culture because it's it's an easier, simpler thing. Um, oh yeah, of course. Right. We all have stuff. Exactly. And we that all we have don't stuff need. that we don't. We need, all have. But we we want. all have an IKEA furniture in our. Don't, My don't whole room guys, is right? IKEA furniture. Yeah. I think. <laughs> right. I think what it comes down to, it's like I think this is good just in general. I think it comes down to it's not what you do or what you have; it's who you are. You know. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't think Brad Pitt's character is obviously like the go-to on that topic like obviously you don't want to ruin every like ruin a bunch of things but i think artistically what it represents i think we can all understand but it's cool it's like mm -hmm. if you think about it if you i guess it ties back to that scene where he's talking about how he feels like edward norton's character feels like if he has these certain amount of things it's going to complete him and it, mm -hmm. and people do that all the time though if they feel like they reach a certain amount of wealth they're going to be happy or if they reach this job or this goal and it's like no you gotta it's about none of those things yes you will feel happy for a little bit but none of those things actually matter when it comes down to it it matters who you are as a person and what you value exactly yeah um yeah. and I, I think i think it's it's really interesting because tyler is such a character who's was always like he was really representing uh, is obviously like in the narrator's head right so he represents the side of him that just wants to let go of the materialism and um yeah. kind of not define his character through that but then also as soon as he gets down to project mayhem it's all about you have no individuality you're just part of something you are dying for something you're dying for an idea which is just 
losing yourself in an other kind of parallel thing, not consumer that's culture, but point. like the other extreme. It goes too far. Yeah, yeah exactly. it goes way too far. But that, but that's a really cool contrast too. It's like, yeah, no, it's a great point. Right? And that's uh, as soon as you start to criticize it, crit- criticize it, usually you go against it 180 degrees and you never get to a place where you would be able to establish a common sensible ground where we can say yeah consumer culture bad but also no individuality and uh, you are just um you are not a significant little snowflake you are nothing some something in between would be nice Mm. and I, i like how it just goes back and forth it comes back like with everything through the writing through the costume design like we we touched on before and especially for the color grade and the cinematography, um, it just comes together in such a nice way that makes this into a cohesive piece of art. Uh, yeah. Which so oh, I, I I wanna I wanna <laughs> I feel like we we gonna have to do like a, a redo of this roulette again where we maybe all choose a different ch- subject and we just redo it in one or two years. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like there's That's so much funny. to talk about with Fight Club, but yeah. uh, we we don't want to hold you guys forever here. Um, so on the topic of like how great this film is, um, what do you guys think? Um, we, at the start of this, at the episode, I kind of listed off where this movie ranks and on certain websites that list movies. Would you guys agree with uh, the letterbox rating or the IMDb rating or the Metacritic rating or what's your own rating? Lachlan, no, you can go, you can go first. I, this was one of the first movies. So I, um, worked in PR for a while and then I decided to go to film school, um, mm-hmm. after my bachelor's and all of that. This was one of the first movies that I thought about for a really long time after I watched it. Like I remember it so vividly. This was a movie that like I still think about because I do think it is so artistically well done. Um, I don't know. This is a really, this is a top movie for me. So I'm really happy that I got to do this episode. Um, and I'm so thankful that you guys had me on. I don't know. I'm going to give it like a nine out of 10. Like I love this movie so much, but I think also, I guess to give people peace of mind too, I kind of want to like relay it back to real life. Um, I think it's cool how this movie does represent two extremes and I don't think anyone should be Edward Norton's character. I don't think anyone should necessarily be Brad Pitt's character. I think it's, I think this movie is about being self-aware and just kind of I mean this movie actually isn't really about being self-aware I'm going to take that back (laughs) um it's kind of you you're kind of going through the process of someone who is incredibly complicated and flawed and it it talks about society and there's so many elements to this movie it's even it is really hard to break it down in an hour yeah 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 um one big aspect sorry sorry to cut you off no go ahead no it's okay there's one big aspect that uh, I would love to talk about what we could fill like another two-hour podcast I'm sure this is not going to be two hours it's going to be 155 Ha, no, but um, the the whole topic of manlyhood and what it means to be a man, because uh, the narrator describes himself as a kid, right? Some at some point in the movie, he does. And I he feel like it's also the kid. process of becoming a man in a sense, and kind of a man in that sense that you have control over your life. Like it's not maybe not that much about masculinity. It, it obviously is. That's a big theme, but also just about maturing and growing up and yeah. taking responsibility like actually taking responsibility for stuff yeah taking accountability mm. is a big thing also even as a female like i think control is such an easy thing to fixate on mm-hmm. um yeah during covid i think control is an easy thing to think about a lot <laughs> but i think right now to just keep things relevant yeah. with what's going on today i guess you know do the best that you can but at the end of the day just at change is natural things are going to be out of your control sometimes but everything will work out at the end of the day oh, such a wholesome thing to say you know to kind of wrap out the episode on like, like yeah. a, you, you, you got a rating for it? Yeah. Like an overall rating? Yeah, um, I guess. The, like your closing thoughts on the film. It, it, it always, for me, goes between like a 
every time I watch it, it goes between a four, four and a half, five. If we're talking at a five when I'm on Letterboxd. Um, mm-hmm. But like every time I'll be like, I like, yeah, it ranges. It just depends. Sometimes it'll be like, okay, today's yeah. a four out of five. Today it's a five out of five. Today it's a four and a half out of five. Okay. Um, just depends on the day. But you guys have met me in a very strange part of my life where, because I am not studying, I'm working pretty much full time. So I've never had such a large amount of income come in before. Mm-hmm. So okay. recently I, I I noticed that I had been purchasing shit that I didn't need just because okay. I wanted it. Um, and then the other day I watched Fight Club and I go, oh, why the fuck do I have so much stuff? Why do I have so much Swedish furniture? Yeah. I don't need it. Why, why mm. do I buy so much? I can't, well, I needed new furniture anyway, but like, uh, okay. like there was stuff I that I, I didn't need. That sure, I, sure, that sure, I purchased. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, just justifying it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to watch a film about men fighting other men, but then think about your situation in the world. Mm. That's weird. Mm. That's it weird, beats right? You up in a, it beats you up, you know. Beats you up in so, a sense, yeah. So mm-hmm. honestly, if there's anything about Fight Club that I take away, it's that I don't use bard soap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I only use uh, because because I as I think I haven't said this on the podcast, but um, I, I'm you vegan, so soap. I would I know I would only use <laughs> uh, soap made from human fat. So it's actually like yeah, I connected true. with this a lot. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only I only use fat that is um, taken from um, lip. No, no, fuck. What are they called? Liposections or something like that. Liposuction. Anyways, liposuction. Liposuction. Yeah. yeah, it's not about the lips. Yeah. It's about the lipo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah anyways my thoughts on it uh, i give it usually like a nine out of ten but uh, like you said like it kind of goes back and forth for me um it, it, i don't think it's a perfect film um but i think it de- deserves a spot in the all-time greats um i wouldn't yeah. say it's a favorite of mine as well i just give it a really high technical rating but i wouldn't say it's one that i like i would love to go, go back to all the time but um, yep. You can take a lot from it, especially as a film student. It's uh, it's a great way to see how to use CGI, how to direct, um, and how you should always use Brad Pitt in your movies. <laughs> it just always works, yeah. you know? True. Even if it's three hour long and it's from Tarantino True. and nothing really happens, you got Brad Pitt and it's a good movie. Anyways, okay, so that wraps us up for the day. So before we uh, say goodbye to you guys, I have to talk about two new releases we have on, the, on August 16th. We have Lovecraft County at 10 episodes season um, a, a 10 episode series over on HBO with exec- executive producers like J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele and, and many more. It also stars Jonathan Majors, who you might have seen in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, he was great in it. It's a genre changing movie that shifts focus from different characters. I see what you guys are doing, by the way. Fuck off <laughs> from episode to episode. So uh, I think that drops the first episode tomorrow uh, or I guess today, whenever you guys are listening or yesterday or the day before or probably a year ago. Thank you, by the way, if you're listening to this and it's 2021, you are a champ. And uh, we also got on August 21st, we got Tesla releasing on VOD starring Ethan Hawke. I'm always a big Ethan Hawke fan, although this movie doesn't look like it's going to be an all-time great. And my favorite movie of the year, it still has Ethan Hawke, and I love that man, so I got to support him. Then we got next, uh, our next roll that again will be on Mulan, 19, the 1998 animated movie that's getting um, the live-action treatment that all the Disney films are getting. Um, that film actually releases on September 3rd for... Only, only 30 bucks on Disney Plus, right? It's really affordable. <laughs> but before then, we are going to do uh, a roll that again on Mulan. If you want to uh, have a little bit more time with us, a one-on-one, maybe even chat with us a bit, uh, feel free to join our Discord. We actually have one that's set up for you guys to join. Um, so feel free to do that. That's linked below in the show notes. And we also have a Twitter, Instagram, and a Letterboxd profile. On Twitter, we are set underscore 
quiet on Instagram. We are quiet on set podcast and on Letterboxd. We are quiet on set. So go check that out. And we also got all of our personal socials linked below. Uh, Lachlan, do you want to shout out your, your stuff? No. Okay. So I have to do it for you. You, no, you little fine. lazy I only thing. Put it there just, I only just put it there just to annoy you. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. You put it in the show notes. But anyways, you can catch all of our socials from Cali, uh, Lachlan Teeley and Kelly Alsace and you and Graf all down below if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, there's also a function that I recently discovered on Anchor. You can actually leave a voice memo for us to play on the next week's show. If anyone has a question or anything, uh, we're always down to um, bring you guys' opinion in on um, a past episode. Um, but yeah, I think I think that wraps us up for today. Before I keep on, before I swallow my tongue, I think we have to stop this. I, I'm talking way too much, man. But uh, okay. it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun having you, uh, having you guys on, especially you, Kelly, at first uh, for the first time here. Uh, we'd love to have you back at some point as well if you're willing to come back. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was so much fun. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening all the way to the end, and we will see you next week. All right, bye everyone. Adios, amigos. Kelly didn't say bye. <laughs> could you? We have to keep going see, because we need another. What, no, we have something. So what usually fuck, happens is I don't start recording for another 20 minutes because Ewan likes to put stupid things that I say at the end or like to preview the next podcast. It's dumb. I don't say dumb shit. I say shit dumb. Yeah. Did you did you catch the last ones? It was, it was a pretty long one, but it was pretty funny. Hey, on the you, fucking little shit. I didn't fuck shit. you because you were you were shitting on me that I use. Uh, I, I put in the whole me. thing. No, you, I put in the whole thing of you criticizing me for using like bad photos of you that you didn't like. And I, I put the whole thing in. I, I actually, the people heard the criticism, man. Thank you. Yeah, I've been canceled on Twitter because of this. So the rep, this had bad repercussions for me, man. So uh, mm. I hope you're happy. Mm. Fuck mm. you, by the way. But uh, oh, fuck you yeah. too. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, also, I guess, I guess, Kali, you have a free punch. Uh, you can punch me on the ear, but uh, I guess the, the best way to simulate this would be if you hit your microphone. Um, so, but you didn't. You're not recording, I guess. But <laughs> that's fine. I can add something in. <laughs> Yes. Oh, Lachlan, you are not. That's an illegitimate hit. You can't hit me. It's not okay. You didn't earn it.